재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 It is time for David's Bookmark with David Tizard. David is an assistant professor at Seoul Women's University and is completing the research of his PhD in Korean studies at Hanyang University. Hi, David. Good morning. Merry Christmas, Jamie. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. everybody Yay. listening. Woohoo! Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me and, and thank you anybody out there for listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's begin today's show on Zealot by Reza Aslan with a clip. Yes, um, we're going to start with a little clip from a Monty Python 1979 film called The Life of Brian. And this is a religious satire which takes the life of a messianic figure around Jesus' time, but his name is Brian. Okay. And he's frequently referred to by his mother in this movie as he's not the Messiah, he's a very naughty boy. Okay. We'll hear a little bit of that to start us off. (laughs) All right, great. Speechless monster, speechless! Go away! How shall we go away, master? Just go away, leave me alone! Give us a sign! He has given us a sign! He has brought us to this place! I didn't bring you here, you just followed me! Oh, it's still a good sign by any standard! Master, your people have walked many miles to be with you. They are weary and have not eaten. It's not my fault they haven't eaten. There is no food in this high mountain. What about the juniper bushes over there? Um, According to the people that are following Brian there, Brian has brought upon them food whence there was none before. By simply pointing out it. It's an absolutely amazing piece of comedy. I, I really enjoy it. I encourage everyone to watch it upon this Christmas season. I think the most uh, brilliant part of that clip yeah. was um, when when they're saying it's a good sign by any standard. <laughs> Just the fact that they followed them there is a good sign yeah. by any standard. Yeah. <laughs> if you like that, you'll get such a kick out of the movie. So okay. That's, that's one thing out. to put onto your Christmas watching list. Okay. All right. All right. So why Zealot this week? Well... It's Christmas, and if we think about Christmas, you know, a lot of images come to our mind, Santa Claus and stockings and reindeers and elves and snowmen and such forth. Scrooge. Yeah, and that Bill Murray. (laughs) It's always Bill Murray, isn't there? But it's about Christ, Christ Mass. It's Jesus' birthday, and uh, Mm -hmm. so I thought it would only be appropriate to talk about this man, this person, this figure upon Mm. this day. Yes, whose birthday we're celebrating. Whose birthday we're celebrating, and... The whole thing is named after him. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting when you think of people that have had such pivotal things in our culture and society named after them. For example, from the Avengers, we have Thor, which is now Thursday. That's mm-hmm. Thor's day. And we have Odin, which is Wednesday, Odin's day. Oh, I, n- I never saw that connection. Yeah, oh. there's no um, Iron Man day yet or mm-hmm. <laughs> Incredible Hulk day. But they're just as likely could be considering, you mm-hmm. know, their thing. Um, August was Augustus Caesar. July, the month, was Julius Caesar. So mm-hmm. a lot of famous people in our history have had such events named after them. And Jesus's birthday is one of them. Mm-hmm. That's even why it's 2016 now, which is an incredible thing to think about. When you talk to scientists or, or consider the 
the concept of the earth as it is. Right. I think up until maybe 10 years ago, we used to refer to time frames as uh, BC and AD as yeah. opposed to it's, um, it's BCE and CE these days, right? Common era before common era. And yeah. before it was, what is BC? Um, before Christ and AD I want to say after death but it's not is it <laughs> that's what I thought it was as a uh-huh. child mm-hmm. what is it <clears throat> it's Anno Domini <laughs> you're welcome yeah mm-hmm. which means uh, the year of the Christ the year of God the year of God mm-hmm. there you go that, that makes more sense so mm-hmm. it's not after death but that <laughs> also works doesn't it <laughs> the death of what <laughs> the, the death of Oh, yeah. Mm. No, yeah, that would yes, be that's wrong, That's a loaded wouldn't it? question. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so we're going to talk about him, and I, I've picked this book for this week. And the book that I'd like to talk about, and I'm holding in my hands right here, is by an author called Reza Aslan, who is an Iranian Muslim. And the book is called Zealot, The Life and Times of Jesus as Nazareth. Mm-hmm. This was a number one New York Times bestseller. So it hit a huge amount of copies sold and a load of people went and picked up and read this book. Mm. Interestingly, what Reza Aslan does in this book is he tries to separate Jesus the man versus Jesus the Christ. He does so from a position of religious scholarship and also from a position of religion himself. And just as we go into this, I'd just like to put a disclaimer out there to anyone listening on this day that I love religion. You know, Mm -hmm. I I love love Christianity, I love Taoism, Hinduism, Buddhism, I love all the isms and things Mm -hmm. like that. I think they're wonderfully powerful and evocative and touching things. So let's keep that in mind. And the author of this book, Reza Aslan, is also one. Mm -hmm. Uh, He left Iran for San Francisco with his family when he was very young. And found Christianity, found Jesus as a young man. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what started off on him on this journey. If I can, I'd like to read a little bit from Reza Islam, from this book, Zealot, to start us off. If okay. Can. Okay. He says this. I began eagerly to share the good news of Jesus Christ with my friends and family, my neighbors and classmates, with people I'd just met and strangers on the street, those who heard it gladly and those who threw it back in my face. Yet something unexpected happened in my quest to save the souls of the world. The more I proved the Bible to arm myself against the doubts of unbelievers, the more distance I discovered between the Jesus of the Gospels and the Jesus of history, between Jesus the Christ and Jesus of Nazareth. In college, where I began my formal study of the history of religions, that initial discomfort soon ballooned into full-blown doubts of my own. The bedrock of evangelical Christianity, at least as it was taught to me, is the unconditional belief that every word of the Bible is God-breathed and true, literal and inerrant. The sudden realization that this belief is patently and irrefutably false, that the Bible is replete with the most blatant and obvious errors and contradictions, just as one would expect from a document written by hundreds of hands across thousands of years, left me confused and spiritually unmoored. This actually reminds me of something I heard about the seminary experience. Like Mm. a sign of a really good seminary education is that once you start really learning about the Bible and and your faith, your faith ends up getting shaken to the core because whatever you believed um, without any question... Mm -hmm you start to scrutinize and then analyze and then you realize that you cannot just take everything at face value. You have to actually like engage with it. Mm. And that definitely sounds like what Aslan was doing. 
that's the most important him personally in that uh, experience of his yes and that's also the best thing about this book mm -hmm. is that it makes you engage with the topic again it makes you sort of question the nativity scene the imagery the the things that we're presented with and take for granted so i think what aslan does is really useful and i agree with what you say yeah. and mm -hmm. that's the justification of seminaries isn't it mm -hmm. because if that didn't happen there would be no need for seminaries right right yeah. um but his book wasn't really taken very kindly by the media. No, and, and certain aspects of Western uh, media really attacked him. And actually it was Aslan's response. He's very calm and weighted and patient, answering to all the criticisms that came very unjustly, mm -hmm. was what? projected this book onto the top of the bestsellers list i believe mm -hmm. and he's even thanked Fo uh, fox news and other media things for attacking him because mm -hmm. it only made his message stronger so you have a clip prepared can you give us a little bit of background so it's from a, a fox news interview it's from a fox news interview it's millions of uh, hits on youtube uh -huh. and we hear him being attacked for daring to question a certain oh. understanding of jesus okay. because that he's a muslim Oh, okay. All right, so let's, let's hear it. Yeah. I think that the fundamental problem here is that you're assuming that I have some sort of faith-based bias in this work that I write. I write about Judaism. I write about Hinduism. I write about Christianity. I write about Islam. My job as a scholar of religions with a PhD in the subject is to write about religions. And one of the religions that I have written about is the religion Reza, that was you're not just writing about Jesus. a religion from a point of view of an, uh, an, an observer. I mean, the thing about it is, is that, you're, you you're, you're, that? You're, you're, you're putting yourself as a scholar. And I've interviewed scholars who have written books on the resurrection, on, you know, the real Jesus, and um, who are looking at the same information that you're saying to say that your information is somehow different from theirs is really not being uh, no, honest I don't here. Think my interpretation. Ma'am, my, my information is not different from theirs at all. I'm, I'm afraid that it sounds like you haven't actually read my book or seen what I've said about the resurrection or about Jesus or about his claims. I think you might be surprised in what I say. And there have been thousands of scholars who have written about this very same topic, many who disagree with me, many who agree with me. That's the thing about scholarship, is that it's a debate over ancient history, and I am one of those people making that debate. I think it's unfair to just simply assume, because of my particular faith background, that there is some agenda on this book. That would be like saying that a Christian who writes about Muhammad is by definition, uh, you know, not able to do so because he has some no, he can do you know, so. bias against it. And he frankly, do, every, he every book so, that's almost I every book that's that out there is by, is by he got shouted at a lot and yes. all throughout the interviews. I mean, he was, there was a real lack of respect shown to him by many people in his interviews and this despite his advanced degree in education and scholarly work you know mm -hmm. well i think one thing that occurred to me as as i was listening to this clip is that some people have a hard time telling the difference between scholarship and faith when it comes to religion yeah that's mm -hmm. very true and um we with faith we talk about i think people talk about what is possible and in history, you talk about what was likely. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between the two. And yes, yes. And that, that is a very important distinction. Yeah. And Aslan is aware of that. And he comes at it from both sides. You know, he is a man of faith. He, he's been a Christian. He's also been a Muslim. You know, he's gone through them all, which I find admirable. Mm -hmm. But also has this scholarly attitude towards work and history. Right. And that's the beauty of this book, Zealot, that he's written 
in that it's a man who has looked through the lenses of various religions and is now able to do it from a historical perspective. Mm -hmm. So the meat of this book is Aslan comparing Jesus Christ versus Jesus of Nazareth. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Jesus the Christ is the Jesus that most people know. Uh, Jesus the Christ was born in 0 BC in Bethlehem in a stable with three kings and uh, the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh. Mm -hmm. He was a Christian who spread the word of God. He was crucified, he rose from the dead. This particular Jesus is very malleable. So like the the Fox presenter, Jesus the Christ, if you're American, this Jesus is American. Mm-hmm. Normally with white skin uh-huh. and blue eyes, yeah? Beard. And a beard, yeah. Yes. He always had a beard, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And um, if you're Korean, this Jesus is probably Korean or he fits into your worldview as well. And if you're from Kenya... Jesus the Christ is probably Kenyan and, and mm-hmm. exhibits some of your traits. Cater to your needs. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the thing. He's this ethereal, very malleable. He can go into anything. That's the thing about this Jesus the Christ. Um, he transcends kind of political and national boundaries. And that's what makes him so powerful, so mm-hmm. wonderful, so fascinating. That's the G- Jesus the Christ of faith. And what Reza Aslan is talking about is Jesus the man. Mm-hmm. And Jesus the man was born before Jesus the Christ, actually, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> Jesus, the <man. laughs> Jesus the man was born in 4 BC. Uh-huh. We've already established the meanings of BC, so okay. we'll move on from that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and for Jesus the man, um, the book explains that there have been three things that historians and scholars basically agree on. That Jesus the man was a Jewish person preaching Judaism to Jewish people. He claimed to be the Messiah, which meant he was going to unite the 12 tribes of Israel and reestablish the kingdom of David. And the third thing that we know about him is that for his sedition, for his treason, his traitorous actions, he was punished by the Roman Empire and eventually killed. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the uh, links between last week when we talk about Kotea and this week. He was yeah. born at a time when an empire was falling. He was. He was born at a time when the empire was falling. So last week we talked about waiting for the barbarians and this empire was spreading and it was engulfing the native people. And, you know, who do you side with in this? Do you side with the the civilization and the things that it brings or do you side with the people of the land? And Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the man, had this exact same problem. He saw in his hometown of Jerusalem, he saw the temple in which the priest lived was being overrun by Roman guards. These people from thousands of miles away had bought their own form of rule, punishment. They were crucifying people up on the hills outside of Jerusalem. And Mm -hmm. that was the punishment for people to spread the warning of the Roman Empire. Mm. And we know all these things because whatever you think about the Roman Empire, they were very good at one thing, and that's documenting things. Okay. You know, we know how much the wheat cost during that time uh-huh. and such forth. So um, he was rallying against this empire that had overtaken him and overtaken the faith of his people. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the other things that uh, Jesus of Nazareth, as in the historical Jesus, did or represented at at that time period. One of the things that Reza Aslan makes clear in this book, Zealot, is that at the time, Jesus of Nazareth probably wasn't that special. and There were there were thousands of this messianic people mm-hmm. going around doing healings and, and such forth, acting in such a way because it was so turbulent, because the land was so covered by empire and, and violence that many people were going around trying to bring about a better time. So 
Jesus of Nazareth was not actually that special at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, of course he had followers and, and such forth, but so did a great many others. It's only post-fact that his success has come about, and great success it has been, that's undeniable. Mm-hmm. But at the time, Jesus was not particularly that special. Mm-hmm. He was one of many. I think that brings us to the uh, third act of this book. I think with uh, great historical figures, oftentimes the greatness is thrust upon them after death. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the third act of the book. The third act is kind of what happened after Jesus' death. I just want to mention the fact very quickly that Mm -hmm. one of Jesus' things was that he was a a revolutionary. He Mm -hmm. wanted to make the the poor rich and the rich poor, so Uh he wanted all that turned over. But after Jesus only led his church or his group of followers for about three years, it is said, James, his brother, for about 30 years. So that's a long time. You know, there's a huge difference between this. And we don't often think about Jesus' brother. How can Mm -hmm. Jesus have a brother? I didn't know that he had a brother. He had four many sisters. Uh This is... um, And so Jesus was there for a short time. This is a really interesting point I'm going to make quickly that I got from this book. Um, It's that if you imagine that Jesus the Christ went through all this life and was preaching the word of God and then killed by the Romans, if he did that as a God, it's kind of, you know, it's good, but it doesn't really mean anything because mm-hmm. he's God. Mm-hmm. You know, he told people to follow him and they followed him. Well, he's God. Of course they're going to. He mm-hmm. he died. Well, he's God. He didn't die. It's like playing a computer game with cheat mode on. Okay. You know, if you win, it doesn't uh-huh. matter. But if you do that as a person, it's far more remarkable it's far more awe-inspiring. It's far more... Difficult? Difficult, scary, frightening, mm-hmm. right, all right. these things. You know, it inspires uh, more faith in me, mm-hmm. personally, when I, I think about that. Right, right. And so this story, the third act, has been uh, built up through the Gospels. And it's basically Paul's Gospel that has become the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And we learn through... Reza Aslan points out in this book, Zealot, that... Paul actually never met Jesus. He was never, he actually wasn't a nice guy, Paul. Mm -hmm. But he turned around and he undid all the work of the people that knew Jesus, including Jesus, his own brother. And he wrote a new thing. And he said, only through sort of me, you can find Jesus. You don't need to worry about the Judaism and the tradition. And So basically the Christianity as we know it today comes from Paul. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Because that's the main point that Reza Aslan keeps pointing out is that Jesus was a Jewish person. Mm -hmm. Well, before you go, can you give us an excerpt from the end of the book that you found interesting? Yeah, I certainly can. And this touches on what we're just saying. Paul's conception of Christianity may have been anathema before 70 CE. But afterwards, his notion of a wholly new religion, free from the authority of a temple that no longer existed, unburdened by a law that no longer mattered, and divorced from a Judaism that had become a pariah, was enthusiastically embraced by converts throughout the Roman Empire. Hence, in 398 CE, when, according to legend, another group of bishops gathered at a council in the city of Hippo Regius in modern-day Algeria to canonize what would become known as the New Testament, they chose to include in the Christian scriptures one letter from James, the brother and successor of Jesus, two letters from Peter, the chief apostle and first among the twelve, three letters from John, the beloved disciple and pillar of the church, and fourteen letters from Paul, the deviant and outcast who was rejected and scorned by the leaders in Jerusalem. In fact, more than half of the 27 books that now make up the New Testament are either by or about Paul. I think that's a very good lesson in um, 
how it really, really matters who tells your story after you're gone. Yeah, it does, yes. doesn't it? Um, there's a wonderful book by Will Self called The Book of Dave about a taxi driver called Dave in London who uh, writes a book to his son and it gets uncovered by people thousands of years later and a new religion is built on it. So it matters mm-hmm. who tells your story, yes. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, we're almost out of time, but before you go, can you give us a closing song on this, the day of Christmas? Yeah, happy Christmas again once to everybody and please turn this up. This is one of the best songs that I know. This is Gloria by Patti Smith. Merry Christmas. Well, thank you for coming in today. Thank you, listeners. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milton.